following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. While you're turning, just a couple things I do want to reiterate. If uh, you haven't signed up for that basics conference and you're at all interested, please do so. Uh, The basics conference is not just your typical uh, meeting. It's it's geared toward uh, those who have a desire to be leaders, those who um, not just uh, want to be on the sidelines, and as James would put it, those who are desirous to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. And so if you have any desire to grow in that way, and perhaps even uh, some of the, some of the um, different sessions that they offer, are uh, aimed at pastors and those in ministry. And if you've ever just kind of wondered as far as um, what it is that leadership should be doing, um, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes people say, well, we've got pastors and deacons to do that. Wrong. You're to do that. We, the body of Christ, are to do certain things. And and so it's it's always good to, to be a part of that. I have had some ask me as far as uh, ladies, uh, men. This is a men's group type of a thing. So ladies, we're not going to bombard your ladies' fellowship meetings. And uh, thank you that we don't have to. Um, and so just understand that that's what this is. This is it's geared toward, toward men. And uh, if, if you have any interest at all, but perhaps are worried about the cost, Please talk to me. Please talk to me. Uh, we'll find a way to get you there. All that being said, Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's read together here as you follow along as I read aloud. We'll start in verse number 1 for context. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our fathers, uh, fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers 
of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Father, it's me again asking for help. Father, it's times like this that I'm reminded of just how inadequate I truly am. But Your Word is not. And so, I cling to the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within me. That in spite of my inadequacies, You would speak through me. So Father, I pray that You would bless the reading of Your Word to our hearts. But Father, I really, really desire that You would chasten us this morning. That You would see anything about us, any wicked way in us that needs to be altered, that needs to be cured. Father, that You would expose that to us personally, individually. And that, Father, as we see these things, we would be obedient children. And we would obey our spiritual Father who has nothing but the best in mind for us. We pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we have often noted in this epistle, uh, or as we could say, this sermon, which um, we've talked about, the book of Hebrews is really just one long sermon. And so as we have looked at this and we've noted so, so often, uh, we have so much evidence pointing us here in the life of faith, we have truly no excuse for living a life of unbelief. Really is no excuse for that. But not only that, the writer, he, he encourages us over and over again throughout this book of just how much better Jesus is than anything. Any idea or any philosophy that could be put out before us, any person in our life, any uh, hobby or anything, any interest that we might have, Jesus is better. Any sort of teaching, any sort of reading, anything I might pick up, and and believe me, I've read a lot of stuff. (laughs) Jesus is better. And I really find no comparison when I, when I read through uh, the various uh, religious texts that are available to us today, and I've, I read God's Word. There's really no comparison. It's very plain to see truth when you put it in the midst of all the lies that this world has to offer. Jesus is better. So much better. And the question that we would have to ask ourselves is, if Jesus truly is better, why is it that we spend so much time wallowing in the mud? Now, the comparison that the writer of Hebrews tries to make here is not necessarily Jesus is better in the sense of you have a hot dog on this plate and a steak on this plate. Because there are times in my life where I desire the steak. But I'll be honest with you, this chubby boy desires hot dogs sometimes. And if you're handing me that option of the steak or the hot dog on one of those days where I'm just going, yeah, that hot dog looks pretty doggone good, guess what? I'm going to choose the hot dog. And so it's not a matter of putting two things of, uh, of equal value or similar value even. It's about comparing handing someone a steak over handing someone else dung. That's the comparison that is being made. The Christ is so much better, you really can't compare him with anything of any amount of equality. When we come to the Word of God and the truth that we have here, the, the honest assessment is that if we choose anything over Christ, we are choosing dung. And this is what the Apostle Paul himself said. He said, I counted all but dung when I look at Christ. 
It's worthless to me in comparison to Jesus. And so the reason why so many of us choose uh, the, the lesser or the not as good is because we have our eyes fixed on the wrong thing. Now, we looked at this last week when we got into the, uh, the chapter uh, that we're in here currently, chapter 12. We looked at verses 1 and 2, and we talked about, uh, seeing as how we are compassed about, let us lay aside everything, all these, all these uh, weights that might hold us back. We talked about that sin, and it is a specific sin. It's the sin of unbelief. We talked about that in great detail. But the text before us is one that many people, I believe, are familiar with, and they're familiar with it in a way that they might be inclined to automatically jump to preconceived notions. It's human nature to associate biblical truth with our own ideas. It's, it's just natural. We automatically think that we know the direction that's going to be uh, given. We automatically think that we know what is being taught. And, and I don't know about you, but I love it when I am proved wrong in that situation. Have you ever been there where you're sitting and you're going, I know where the preacher's going with this. I know where he's heading with this. And all of a sudden you're like, I had no idea he was going that direction. I've read that passage a thousand times and it's never looked like, like that to me before. I love it. I love sitting there, and I love having those kind of opportunities and those, those presentations put out there. It's like, that's not what I got when I read it. So what I'd like to do for just a moment is for us to excuse all of our preconceived notions about this passage. Let's put it off to the side for just a moment. The idea that we often come to with this passage talking about the chastening of the Lord, we tend to default to a spanking from God. That's usually where our mind goes. I mean, we've heard it time and time again where, well, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, right? Beloved, this is not the heartbeat of the passage. The question that I I guess we could kind of kick things off with this morning is a question that I believe many people ask in their Christian life. And it's simply this, why would a loving God be so cruel as to allow me to suffer? I don't know about you, but I've had that curiosity before. We talk about this loving God, and I've been asked that question many times. If God is so loving, why does he allow me to go through these difficult times? If God really cares, and God is the, the love that you say he is, why is it that he allows this to happen in my life? Why is it that he allowed me to go through this in my life? Why is it that he put me in this situation? Well, this passage explains it. It answers that for you. But if we are so focused on the fact of a, a, a cosmic spanking from our Heavenly Father, we're going to miss it completely. I want you to look at just a few things in the time that we're allotted this morning. And I want us to understand what chastisement is. I want us to see some of the causes for these chastisements. And I want to see a response to these chastisements. Now, the first thing I want to take a look at is understanding what this chastisement means. The writer continues, he doesn't stop, he continues his analogy. Have you ever noticed that oftentimes when you are being confronted by someone of maybe a different faith, they like to take something from the Bible and show you, see, this proves my theories and this proves my philosophies because they take that one portion of the Bible and completely remove it from the rest of everything that's been said. We do this too if we're not careful. When we look and we see the passage before us about chastisement, we've got to remember what preceded it. And don't forget that chapter 11, we dealt with the faith and the hall of faith and how these people had faith and they didn't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them the way you and I do. They didn't have, they hadn't received the promises the way you and I have. And yet they had this faith. But then when we get into uh, chapter number 12, it says, since we're surrounded by all this evidence, let's lay aside anything that's going to hold us back. Let's not have this sin of unbelief in our life, and let's 
pursue Christ. And, and the question that was asked last week was basically answered by looking unto Jesus. How do I live this kind of a lifestyle? By looking unto Jesus. How, what causes me to not live this type of lifestyle? When I take my eyes off of Jesus. And so the writer doesn't stop his analogy. He continues it. And we saw that analogy of the athlete running a race. And when it's time for the race, he sheds any extra weight that there is. He gets the lightest shoes available. He has the lightest clothing available. He takes off running. And some of these guys, I mean, they're going to shave themselves clean. They don't, you know, they don't want their long flowing locks, you know, flapping in the wind. They want to be as, they, they want to shed every ounce of weight. Well, the analogy of the athlete continues. And it even goes to another level. He moves it in the direction of not only coaching, but parenting. Have you ever coached a sports team before? And basically, you just became the daddy of all 15 or however many kids you got on that team, right? And you're the one having to instill in them some discipline. And you hope that when they get out on the field or out on the... Man, I was so frustrated one time coaching hockey. And the, the ref came up, he was skating by me, and I just said, I said, ref, I'm sorry. And he says, for what? And I said, the way my boys are acting, I'm sorry. He said, you can only do so much in practice, and then you got to trust them to do the right thing on the ice during the game. And I thought to myself, am I doing enough in practice? You see, the practice is what produces the game time. And so we're in this race, and our Heavenly Father is our coach. This is the analogy that the writer of Hebrews is making for us. But look at the word that is being used. It says there in verse number 7, If ye endure chastening, verse 5, uh, my son, despise not thou the chastening. The Greek word for chastening is paiduo. Now, this, me this means to instruct or to educate. I think sometimes we only connect chastisement with a spanking, but that's not what's being said. Notice what it says in verse number 5. It says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked. So chastening and rebuke are two different things. Continue on down. You look there in verse, um, uh, look at verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. The word for scourge is scourge. Okay, so if, if I'm talking about uh, as a father, there are times where I have to scourge or spank. Now, now, before anybody calls Child Protective Services, he's scourging his children. I spank. We believe in spanking. And if you don't, you raise your hellion, I'll raise my child. We do, at times, have to spank. That's the scourging part. The chastising part is the every day, day after day, staying on top, doing whatever I can to encourage and to help and to make sure that I don't have to get to the scourging. The rules that I instill, the bedtime, the get-up time, look, I don't care what day of the week is, what time of the year it is. Anytime you get to double digits, you still in bed, there's a problem. You better be sick with 104. That doesn't fly at our place. It's a, people, they, they sleep in until like noon, and then they get up, go eat breakfast at noon, and then they make their way down and watch TV for a half hour and then go take a nap. Look, not in my house. My house is the USSA, all right? You can think what you want, 
but we have rules. And we expect certain rules to be followed, and this is all disciplining and training and teaching. I don't want my children to grow up and be lazy slobs. I don't want them to grow up and be pigs. I want them to grow up and be constructive citizens. I want them to have a good work ethic. I want them to know what it means to have a value of a dollar. I don't want them to just waste money. My daughter wanted something the other day. My youngest, she wanted something. She wanted it so bad. We got on eBay and we looked and we found it. And I said, okay, if 30 days from now you still want it, we can order it. It was her money. Wasn't my money. You got to wait 30 days. Do you still want it after 30 days? Buddy, she had, she was marking the days off on her calendar. She came to me the night before. Dad, can we order it now? It hadn't been 30 days yet. Okay, Dad. Next day comes. We ordered. She really wanted it. That's discipline. That's chastisement. Saying, no, we can't order it right now, but we will. You just got to, you got to put some time to it. Let's make sure you act. We want them to have a value, have a desire but also to value. And so this idea of chastisement, this word is used eight times in our text. Look at it with me again. Starting in verse number five. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who, which corrected us. Same word. Same word. Corrected us. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, uh, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You see, if I only connect chastening with a spanking, I have completely missed the heartbeat of this passage. Completely. There's one word that is used one time. It's the word mastigoi, which means to punish or to whip. That's the word that we found, scourge. Two different things. And so we need to understand what it means to be chastened of the Lord. Now, to be sure, I don't want to remove anything. Catch this. To be sure, there are times that God must spank in order to correct, but the heart of the passage is on the instructing admonition, the instructional discipline of God. That's the heartbeat of the passage. There are going to be times where God does have to exercise his authority and scourge, but the heart of the passage is on the discipline, the instruction, the coaching, the parenting of God. That's the heartbeat. Now, with that in mind, let's look at some of the causes for discipline. There are times in a parent's life where they elect to discipline in order to correct behavior. There are other times where parents discipline in order to encourage good behavior. And so if I don't want my children to be lazy slobs who don't know how to contribute to society, I will not discipline them in the way that's going to get them up at a certain time, get them back to bed at a certain time, value at work ethic. Danielle was emptying the dishwasher as soon as she could say dishwasher. We had, no, it wasn't quite that early, but we had that kid doing chores at an early age, and all the other ones followed. We're not going to withhold responsibility from them. That's discipline. But here's what I want to be careful of. We need to be careful not to blame God for our own foolishness. I think sometimes... We do some stupid stuff, and we burn ourselves some foolish blisters, 
and we blame God must be punishing us for some reason. That's not the case. We've got to be very careful. (laughs) I've made poor decisions in my life. I have had to deal with the consequences of those decisions. That isn't necessarily God's bringing a cosmic spanking down on top of me. So before we go down the road of what are some of the causes are, let's acknowledge what some of the causes for the discipline are not. My stupidity is not the reason that I'm experiencing, or my stupidity is not God necessarily beating me over the head with a two by four. Sometimes I do stupid stuff and I have to reap the benefits of me being stupid. But sometimes sin is going to bring about punishment. Realize it. The Bible does tell us that God is long-suffering. But the Bible does let us know that there's an end to that. And there are times where because of the life that I have been living and because of the decision that I'm making, there may be a time where God has to intervene and say, you represent me. It's time for you to straighten up. Maybe you all were perfect kids growing up, as some may be surprised to find out I was not. I was not an angel. I've not always been the perfect individual that you see before you today. At one point in my life, I was actually rather rebellious. And I can remember the day that my dad chucked me into the house And one of my friends was with me and said, I just saw you fly. And he said, you represent something bigger than yourself. Live like it. I can remember that day. I can remember those days probably is a better way of saying it. You see, it's time for us to recognize who we represent. And if we are called to be in the image of His dear Son and to represent Jesus Christ, then we need to find the right way to do that. Look at it from this angle. There are times that God will exercise our faith by allowing us to go through situations that are difficult. There are times that we get the privilege and the opportunity to exercise our faith. Why would God allow me to have to do this? Why would God Why would God give me this kind of a situation? Why would God allow me to experience this type of suffering? Why would God allow me to... If you never have the opportunity to exercise your faith, how do you know you have faith? Had someone asked me one time why God even had to uh, allow sin into the world. Would you have understood the grace of God if it weren't for your sin being forgiven? You see, this is, this is really where the rubber meets the road. Why does God allow anything so that we can see Him? This is what it's all about. I want you to notice something else here. Taking a stand at work, taking a stand at school, or maybe even in your home. This is not necessarily a punishment. This may be exercise. It's time to work out, right? Drop down to the last verse that we read there, verse number 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Think about it from this angle. Uh, maybe you let yourself go, men. Just the men. Maybe you let yourself go, and your wife has, you know, maybe po- poked a couple spots there, and you're just, you're thinking to yourself, "Whoa, um, yeah, maybe it's time for me to exercise." And I lost some weight there for a while, and I'm starting to gain it back. It's time for me to get up early in the morning and get back on that. Oh, I hate that treadmill. Ah. Uh, Maybe I need to eat a salad instead of a hamburger today. Oh, I hate salad. Right? You know, God gave us 
hot dogs. Matter of fact, I believe that's probably what's on the tree of life, and some of you are not going to enjoy heaven very much. The the marriage supper of the lamb, you're going to be you're going to be sitting there going, I hope it's tofu, and out come the hot dogs. And Jesus is just going to smile at us fat boys. Enjoy it, right? But it's not always enjoyable, is it? Getting up early, getting on that treadmill, getting on the elliptical. There's some of y'all that just go outside and run. You're like, oh, this is so much fun. No, it's not. You can lie all you want. Nobody enjoys running. I mean, really. Who? The only time I run is if something's chasing me, and I don't enjoy that. I run because I have to run, not because I want to run. Now I'll get on a bike, and now that's, that's kind of fun, you know. Every kid likes a bike, so when you get bigger, they just get bigger and cooler, you know. But it's, it's not necessarily joyous at the moment. But three weeks down the road, when you get on that scale and you look down and go, woohoo, my girlfriend's going to be happy about that. You see the fruit. And so these times of exercise help grow us more into the image of God. Help us to grow more into what it is that God has called us to be, called us to reveal. We are to be in His image. And the discipline that I go through draws this out. Now, much of discipline does not necessarily have an immediate outcome. Often it takes much later before uh, before I can see it. And the more I experience today, the stronger I will be tomorrow. And so if, if you are one of those like me, when you look at the scale and it's like, okay, it's time to get serious about exercise, and you go downstairs the first day, right? It's Sunday night. You looked at the scale and you're like, oh, dear heavens. And then Monday morning, you get up with renewed vigor, and it's time to hit the weights. It's time to get on the, uh, the elliptical. It's time to pay attention. And then Monday night, I go up and I look at the scale, and I'm like, nothing's changed. All right, one day is not going to be the end of it, right? It's going to take some time. And this is why our life needs to be a re- repetition of following Christ. What is it that Jesus called us to do? Jesus didn't say, um, come and be perfect. He didn't say, come and give all this stuff up. What did he say? Follow me, right? He said, follow me. And here's how I follow him. I'm walking through my day. I get up in the morning and I I, I go downstairs and I make my uh, breakfast. I'm getting ready and I think to myself, what would Jesus do first thing in the morning? He'd probably spend some time talking to his heavenly father. He'd probably spend a little bit of time reading the word. And so maybe instead of jumping on my crossword puzzle real quickly first thing and having my coffee because I got to have my coffee or I'm just no good. Maybe the first thing I do is open up the word of God for a moment. Maybe the first thing I do is bend a knee to my Lord and Savior and talk with Him. Then as I continue throughout my day, and I'm on the road, I had a guy tell me not too long ago, he said, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about cars. Here, let me tell you what the Bible says about cars. I'm going down, driving on my way to work, and some idiot decides to tailgate me. I got one of two options. I can show him my IQ in the form of a hand, or I can forgive. I can get mad and slam on the brakes. That's, that's what you want to do, right? You really want to be that close? You just bought me a new bumper. Or I can just slide over out of the way. Let him go. And then while he's driving by, I can look at him and give him the evil eye, right? Or I can just let it, let it go. God bless you. You can go ahead. You must be in a hurry. I'm not. Sorry. You see, I follow Him. The more I experience today, the stronger I am tomorrow. Some discipline is meant to work out the bad. 
You see, whether it be a blatant sin or just a character flaw, sometimes I just need the imperfections removed. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to study the Word of God. But it doesn't just say study the Word of God. It says for a reason. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. You know why some of us are ashamed? It's because we haven't spent any time studying the Word of God. And so when my friends call me out, well, you say you believe the Bible, but you're doing this. You're right. You're right. You see, uh, let me give you kind of a personal one. Here's something about me. I can be the laziest person you have ever met in your life. And some of you are like, you're right. I can be one of the laziest individuals you'll ever come across. The idea of just sleeping late, going to bed early, playing video games all day, watching Matlock until the sun goes down, whatever it is. Matlock and Sanford and Son, that's kind of what I'm hooked on right now. Some of you all are like, I can't believe he watches that. Uh, You watch worse. But years of being a lake worked that out of me. My daddy wasn't going to have no lazy son. And years of being a follower of Christ has changed that in me. You see, as a child of God, I understand that laziness is a waste of God's precious gift called life. It's a waste. You get a lot of stuff back. If I spend money, I can go find more money. But if I spend my time, I can't go find more time. Once it's gone, it's gone. And so are you wasting it away? Or are you doing something? Are you, are you using this gift of God to bring glory and honor to Him? Are you putting things off till tomorrow? Look, <laughs> tomorrow may not come and you've wasted another opportunity to do what's right today. Let's look at a couple of these responses. If you keep your hand here in James and just flip over, I mean in Hebrews, flip over a couple pages to the book of James. I want you to notice something in this. We're going to draw a connection here. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and James chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 12, he takes us back, the writer of Hebrews takes us back to the third proverb, the third chapter in Proverbs. And he says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now look at, at uh, James chapter number 1. Look at verse 12 with me. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. But then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The first response that many people have to the discipline and the chastisement of God is that they despise it. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now, despising can mean one of a couple things, really. I hate it. I don't like when the Bible tells me to do this, and I really don't like it when the Bible talks about this. I really hate. Tell me to submit. Tell me I got to love her. Tell me I had to respect him. I don't like that part. That's despising the chastening of the Lord. 
You see, the chastening of the Lord, like I said, it's discipline. So everything in the Word of God, every command in the Word of God, every part of the Word of God is meant to help discipline us, help shape our character, help exercise us in this thing called faith, help make us more like His Son, help bring us about to maturity. Everything, even the parts that we say, I don't like. Now, that's one way to despise. Another way is to just think so little of it that I don't care about it. Just not think about it at all. To despise could mean to just ignore it, to ignore it. I just don't care enough about it to even pay attention. I know the Bible says, I I, I know we're supposed to pray without ceasing, but I, I, I can't do that. I'm just not going to. I know the Bible says study to show yourself approved, but that's boring. I'm not going to do that. I know the Bible says husbands love your wives, but nah. When Paul wrote that, he hadn't met mine. I know the Bible says wives see that you reverence your husband. <clears throat> yeah, he hadn't seen 2021, 2022. You know the kind of man we got to... No, that's despising the Word of God. I know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching, exhort one another, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm happier on my couch. I know the Bible says that men ought everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands, I know the Bible says to love one another by serving one another, but I can't stand those people over there. I'm not serving them. I heard a man one time told told the pastor that if he was going to have a certain missionary to a certain portion of the world at that church, he was out because he didn't like those people, and I don't want my money going to support a missionary that takes the gospel to those people. Do what? I know the Bible says I'm supposed to love them all, but not them. You didn't see what they did to our people when we were over there. That's despising the Word of God. So one way that we despise the chastening of the Lord is by ignoring it, pretending like it's not there by hating it, spurning it, rejecting it. The second part of this, again, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 5, says, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You see that word for faint there? The word for faint is, uh, is it brings the idea of getting tired of it, getting weary, or woe is me. Think about it from that angle. You see, the second way that we do this is we whine about it. You know, it's one thing to despise it, ignore it, reject it, maybe even hate it. It's another thing, why me? It seems like God loves everybody but me. This had to happen to me. This had to take, this had to take place on... Oh, come on, man. The whole why is me and whining and complaining about the chastisement of the Lord? Listen, it's not always about a spanking. You mean I've got to love him? I've got to respect him? I've got to love her? That's just not... God didn't ask that much of you, Pastor. God's asking a lot of me. We whine about it. Look at James chapter 1. Look at James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I want you to look back at verse 17 for a second. James, in the midst of talking about trouble, trials, difficulties of life, 
He says every good gift is from God. Next time you're going through a difficult time, next time you're going through a trial, next time you're having a struggle, thank God for that good gift. So, this is a gift? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see, whining about is losing faith and wavering. It's not standing strong. Because uh, we've got to remember, God is God. We are not. And He knows all. And we've got a lot to learn. When I whine about it, it's because I think I know better. When I complain about my lot in life, it's because I think I'm smarter than God and God really doesn't know what's going on. Now, I've asked many people this. If you were God at that moment, what would you do differently? If you've got an answer, you think you know better than God. It's time for us to remember that He is God and we are not. He knows it. He sees it all and we only see a little bit. Now the third portion of this, look at James chapter 1 again. Look at verse 2 through 5. Ready? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Rejoice. The third response that we can have to this is that we would rejoice in what is to come as a result of what God is allowing in our life. When I spend daily time in the Word of God, I spend daily time with the Lord. And I'm not just talking about five minutes before bedtime or or, or 30 seconds before you eat meals. I'm talking about actually spending time with the Lord. And I do this day after day after day. And I make it a habit and I make it a pattern. I'm going to learn to trust Him. And when these difficult situations and difficult times come my way, I know that my Father in heaven is not going to allow me to go through anything that's not going to be able to be used for good. I know that the the opportunities that He's going to place in my path or He's going to allow in my path are going to make me more like his dear son. I can trust him. And the more I go through that, the more I can trust him. And these difficult times, these tribulations, they work patience to build my faith. And I know I made it through last time. I'm going to make it through this time. I know that difficulty was there, but it's bringing me through to the other side and I can trust him. I can take him at his word. And so when I come across another one, rather than whine or get upset or just ignore it, I say thanks and praise be to God for His unspeakable gifts because I know (laughs) at the other side of this, I'm going to come out stronger and my faith is going to be stronger and my patience is going to be stronger. Rejoice. just like with physical exercise. You can hate it. You can do it because you got to do it and complain about it the whole time. Oh, I did 48 push-ups today. Oh, my, (laughs) I'm so tired. Or you can recognize the benefit and rejoice. Praise God, He gave me the energy to get my one sit-up a day. I got up this morning, that's half. When I go to bed tonight, that'll be the other half. 
Praise God. Right? So look at the reason and the conclusion of this. I want you to notice back in Hebrews chapter 12. The question would, I guess, come in, why would God endure? Why would God allow me, I'm sorry, to endure this difficulty? Look at verse 3 for a second. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let me ask you, does it make sense that Jesus would have set aside heaven for a moment? Lived amongst sinful people to be despised and rejected of men, to be beaten, battered, spit upon, placed on a cross, and die for your sins just so He could have the opportunity to be mean to you. Doesn't make sense. And so when we look at the difficulties of life and the trials and tribulations we're coming across in life, we can't look at it and go, God just couldn't wait to put this in my path. We have to understand by looking at Jesus, what he went through, what he endured, and he did that for you so that you could have life eternally, then I have to believe everything that comes into my life is for my benefit. When I quit looking at Jesus and I'm too busy looking at myself, I'm too busy looking at what's around me, I'm comparing myself to other people because they get it better than I do or because they have more than I do. They're not suffering the way I am. They're not experiencing what I am. I quit looking at Him. I quit considering Him. It's time for us to get our eyes back on Jesus and consider Him. If he's going to die that death for you, everything that he does for you is for your betterment. Everything. But you see, there's a danger here. There's a danger that's expressed. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Beloved, I want to say something with all the love that I can muster. The heartbeat of this is not to do so that you don't get the spanking. But to recognize if your life is free from the discipline of the Holy Spirit of God, you're not His. If you're fine, to reject the truth. And when you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's word says X is X and Y is Y, and you want to choose Z, F, and Q instead. There's no evidence that you're a child of God because you're undisciplined. If you're able to do that with absolutely no issue in you, with no problem, you can look at the Word of God and say, I know the Bible says this, but I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to do that. And I really don't care what you say, preacher boy. You have no evidence that you're a child of God. It's not just the spanking that you're without. It's the day-to-day discipline. And if you're without that life 
of submitting to the will and to the word of God. Not my words. His. You're illegitimate. And you know what he means when he says, and you're not sons? You ain't saved. Well, I know that just went through some people like a ton of bricks. It's my job to report the truth. As enjoyable or unenjoyable as it may sound. But I would never forgive myself if I watched one of you walk across the great white throne judgment and say, Pastor, why didn't you warn me? You occupied the pulpit. Why didn't you warn me? You knew I was living a life of sin. You knew I was ignoring him. You knew it, and you said nothing. Please listen to me now. If you can be okay with hearing God's word and rejecting it, you're illegitimate. Not a child of God. That ought to wake some of us up. And it ought to drive some to their knees saying, that's my life. And I got to get it right. I got to get it straight. The heartbeat of all of this is not a God who can't wait to punish. But it's a God who desires to bring you in and make you more than you are. It's about a God who wants that relationship, not just a casual, yep, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, see you later relationship. It's a, you're mine now, you're my child, and I'm going to raise you up to be a mature child of God. That's him. We'll look at it more next week. There's a lot of people who don't want that. Just give me heaven, preacher. That's all I'm here for. Streets of gold. Big gates with pearls. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm about, preacher. Don't, don't tell me the other stuff. I... Are you without discipline this morning? Are you okay with that? If you are, my heart breaks. Are you humbly submissive to the correcting hand of God? If not, you need to pay attention. Or are you too proud to admit that you need someone to teach you? You think you know better. You think you know more. You think you got a better handle on life than this book. God resists the proud. But He'll give grace to the humble. We say, Lord, I, I, I need someone to teach me. Where are you in all this? Father, I know that sometimes it it's just easier. It's just easier to move along with status quo. To just be what we want to be as opposed to what you desire us to be. It's easier just to continue on and not pay attention. It's easier to ignore and, and to not address the things that you are calling us to address. It's easier to do that, Father, but We shouldn't want what's easy. We should want what's best. And just like it's easier to sit on a couch eating bonbons, what's best is that we get up and we exercise. So, Father, help us to not be spiritual couch potatoes. 
but that we would allow the Holy Spirit of God to discipline us and to instill these disciplines in our life and correcting the things that need to be corrected, altering the things that need to be altered. We yield to that. We submit ourselves to that, Father. That that would truly be our heart's desire. Father, forgive me where I've been weak. Father, help me to change more and more daily into the image of Your Son. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.